This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. How are you? Nice to meet you. You too. Freaking out a little bit. I'm like fangirling hard right now. Are you kidding me? This is hilarious because I went to my first class with you and was just blown away. My friend Katie was like, you have to go try this thing when you're in LA. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. And I mean, I cried in that class. I was just blown away. So now I've watched you over the years, like you and Taryn have just been on fire. So I'm excited to chat today. Thank you so much. And I mean, not to return the Valentine, but I have to say it's like your voice on social media. I think there's like less than 10 people that give me life or give me the reason to stay on there because Mm -hmm. so much is bullshit and so much is just noise. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is really trying to cut through narratives and cut through taboos and cut through story Mm -hmm. in a way that's revealing truth. And I think that that is uh, why I've been such a fan for so long. I've been like, this chick's on it. She is really doing something here. She's (laughs) using the platform for the highest good. So You're so sweet. You know, sometimes when people repeat things back to you or say things to you, and I've just been through such a season of it being so hard and so challenging. So that means a lot, a lot to hear how that's how you perceive me because that's not how I've perceived myself in moments, you know? And so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And also just even hearing your breath change and your voice change when you're saying like what this season has been for you. I just want to take a minute to slow my own velocity down and my own nervous system down to say, I feel you. Mm. (laughs) I think it's through in, in the collective. I think we are all going through a very, yes, it's been hard for the last few years, but to varying degrees. But I think what might be the most true is that for the last few years, many of us reshaped our values or reconnected with our values. And now the world is back into some kind of degree of uh, speed and something's changed and some things haven't. And I think many of us are doing our best to hold on to what we discovered about ourselves and what we discovered about the life that we want to be leading. And then the world to some degree is like, "Mm, yeah, well, we're just going to go back to the old patterning and ways of being. (laughs) 
Yes. Oh, I feel that so, so strongly to my core. Okay. Before we dive in fully, fully, I know we already just dove in. I have to introduce you to our guest today, who I'm sure many of you have seen on social and know the work that she's doing. I've got Natalie Kuhn here today, and she is an incredible, I don't even know how to describe you, ray of light, who is the co-CEO of The Class. If you've tried The Class, you know the wonder that it is. I absolutely love this workout. I was reading the website and laughed at the description of the class, just giggled to myself. It says the class is a fun and challenging workout that combines strength training, cardio, and mindfulness to help you feel better. I'm like, wow, you girls did such a good job of just like wrapping it up in a way that people can understand. But also the class is so much more than that. I know. I feel that way too. Everything. The class is, it is hard to describe. You have to try it, but it is movement, sound, breath work, emotional release. It is pushing yourself past your own personal limits, not in a way that is like you would normally in a traditional class. It's these small little movements often, and it evokes and pulls out your inner narrative and then gives you this space through the guidance of the teachers to work with that inner narrative, to start changing it. And you just leave having had this full spiritual breakdown and build up. It's incredible. I can't say enough about it. Thank you for rewriting our website. We have really, (laughs) but it is, it is really hard to shrink wrap what this experience is. And, and, you know, the elevator pitch that I've been using now because, you know, we're, we're meeting so many new people now is that it's the workout where fitness meets mindfulness. It's a digestible way of describing it, but it, it is exactly what you said. We are using our body in very accessible terms, squats, jumping jacks, things that maybe not accessible, but rather we're putting our body in familiar shapes and then turning the attention inward and then provide skills to navigate whatever is there. So I want to talk about you, your story and how you came to do this work, because there are other people who have tried to put movement and mindfulness together and what you and Taryn and um, some of the other like OG class instructors have created is just so profound. And I don't know your story. Tell us a bit about you and your background. Thanks for asking. I grew up in LA. Specifically, I grew up with a mom who was a school teacher and she was an ex-nun. So all my aunts and uncles on her side, two were priests and three were nuns, including my mother. The joke in the family is that we're all going to hell because everybody left the convent. (laughs) But what she instilled in me was not dogma. What she instilled in me was connection to spirit. And my dad is still a doctor. My first actual experience with spirituality was was not through my mother or her belief system, but it was actually in bio class in high school. And we were learning about how when you get the cut, everything that happens for the body to get the information it needs to heal itself. 
and the way that inflammation sends certain blood cells over to the you know wound and then how it all stitches together. That to me just felt like, wait a second, I'm not thinking about healing that cut. Something else greater than my mind is at work and at play in an organizational structure that bypasses my need to mentally tend to it. And that was sort of my, my, my way in. With that said, my parents gave me really such an incredible childhood in which I was free to be whoever it is that I wanted to be. And they both struggled with their own challenges and difficulties. I really believe that challenges are important. I believe that adversity is important because without it, we aren't growing and we aren't evolving. So the challenges that I, I won't even say endured, the challenges that I received brought me into theater where I felt really safe in costumes. And so it was in costumes that I had the ability to explore all of my emotions. And some of that wasn't so uh, welcome at home. So I studied theater and I was never a dancer, meaning I I don't have any flexibility or form. (laughs) (laughs) That is deceiving. One would not believe that had you not just told us that based on seeing you move your body. But okay. Oh, yeah, thank you. But the music does move through me. And that is that is something I've always felt. And so I ended up dancing for rock bands. And I ended up getting hired at 23 to dance for David Byrne on this year-long rock tour where there were three dancers and five singers. That was like my graduate school. Because the thing that I learned from David and then eventually Karen O from the Yayas when I worked with them for this punk rock opera is these two people and the subsequent like pop artists that I worked with after that were just unapologetic about how idiosyncratic they are. Mm. And that is their magic. That was how they wielded thousands of people in an audience. And that is how they moved an audience to laugh, to cry, to feel, to cheer, to dance. And I really feel that my time working with bands and in theater was this very formative PhD program in which I was learning both formally at school and informally through experience, how to move story through the body and how to connect to emotion and where it resides in the body Mm -hmm. and um, using the body as this incredibly wise vessel for energy and energy that moves into the form of thought and energy that moves through the heart in the form of feeling And then I also was a research assistant for a professor for six years um, in college and beyond college. And looking back on it, she was a professor of psychology and catharsis. So I (laughs) could have never guessed. Yeah, I mean, I never, I never would have looked at my younger self and been like, obviously, this is the next step in your path to meeting Taryn Toomey at a Lululemon where I was folding pants. It was one of my odd jobs between going on tour and doing different gigs. She would come in to buy a sports bra and she ended up becoming very friendly with the the team there. And so when I joined that team, they were like, wow, you guys both have a similar, there's an electricity in your personalities. I bet you guys are going to get along. And they were right. I ended up taking this class that was not yet known as the class in the gym of her apartment building before there was a website or a business model or even the concept of a business model. It was something she was doing for herself to move the energy in her body that resonated with her friends. 
after my second class, she was like, have you thought about teaching? And I was like, you know, kind of teaching what? Cause there, it wasn't fully formed right. yet. And yeah, yeah. And, and the two of us, we both are really connected to instinct and impulse and they come out in different ways. So she posed the question and then I posed a solution. She was like, what do you think? And I said, how about I set your class up and I break your class down and I'll sign people in on a clipboard. This is 10 years ago. Okay. And then I'll take notes on what I think you're doing. Cause there was no teacher manual. There was no, right. She herself was discovering what this was and the words to use and how to articulate what's really going on in those rooms. And that's how we began. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash rawbeautytalks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash rawbeautytalks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. I have a feeling that because you had spent so much time on the road with these other artists and performers, that it was also fine tuning your ability to know when something was going to work, to know when there was something special there. You could have easily gone into that room with Taryn in her gym of her apartment building and being like, this is cool, but I'm not investing my time in this. But something within you had started to recognize people who are doing interesting things, who have an ability to communicate, who have an idea that others will listen to. And so that's really interesting to me. You said that one of the things that you noticed being on tour with the Yaya's and David Byrne was that they were very unapologetic about their idiosyncrasies. 
And I would love to dive into this a little bit more because I think that most of us are very apologetic about our idiosyncrasies. Like we are so desperate to not have idiosyncrasies (laughs) and to just fit (laughs) in. Can you tell us like a little bit about that? And also like for you going out and teaching this class, which is a bit abnormal. Did it feel weird at first or did you just sort of play the part? Oh man, I was just flying by the feet of my pants. I mean, <laughs> there are some people who have no other choice but to be themselves. They have no other choice, really. It's just, it's a dharma. It's a thing. They can't help but it. And they're the artists, right? And then there are people who learn to be themselves or unlearn right. to be themselves. And they have to go through steps to get to that place of really living who they are. And those are our teachers. And I think for us, when we, when somebody walks into a room, you can feel that they are themselves or you can feel that they're hiding or you can, you, you get a sense if you're really tuning into somebody like their location, are they receded? Are they explosive? Are they far away? How, where are, are they distant? Are they near? And when you get somebody that walks in the room that is themselves, there is this subtle sonic boom that happens where if you're alert to it or awake to it, it gives you the permission or it gives you the desire to be more yourself. And what I learned growing up in LA and then doing this in New York is that no matter how much money somebody has, or how few wrinkles, or the clothes that have been curated, there is something everybody is seeking. And it is to belong to themselves and have that sense of belonging accepted. Mm. I have two main teachers right now that for the last three years have really dedicated a lot of my time to. One is Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams. Something that Rev Angel says, she I'm going to butcher the words, but the idea is the core wounding that we experience at an early age is the moment that we feel that we don't belong. And the core healing later on in life is when we realize that we do. And I think that is the root and the foundation for how close or how far we feel to ourselves and therefore how willing we are or are not to be ourselves. This is so profound. Like pause that, (laughs) rewind it back and listen to it again and again and again. Well, let's take ourselves for a second here, right, Erin? Because I'll put into words what I experience from raw beauty talks, right? We all have a wounding around the body whether we're in a white body, a brown body, a black body, a thin body, a thick body, a tall body, a short body, whatever it is, there's the family narrative, there's the school narrative, and there's the cultural narrative around what beautiful is. And I see you see that. And I see you dedicated to the healing that comes from saying, we belong to the body that we're in and we ought to belong. Like all bodies should be welcome in this global community. And it is a fight to 
open the doors to everyone and everybody. It's wild because we all want to belong and we all have insecurities around our bodies or ourselves or our levels of success or where we're at at the point of life that we're like supposed to be at, quote unquote. And yet at the same time, we struggle to open the doors to everyone. And I think that's because we struggle to open the doors for ourselves, to really accept ourselves and to find acceptance for ourselves and to love ourselves. And I think a lot of people struggle to even know how to begin that. So I'm curious again, from the people that you've worked with and in your own experience, I've talked about mine so much, but what has that journey looked like? You talked about not really being able to fully express at home in whatever capacity that was, you know, having to put on these costumes and become someone else in order to be able to explore your emotions and to feel what does that look like starting to find acceptance and belonging within? Yeah. You know, we tend to unconsciously ascribe success and failure, right? We, we tend to unconsciously ascribe where we want to be going because that's going to give us the love that we, you know, seek. And I unconsciously ascribed it to my parent who was a workaholic working so hard to provide for the family, to get things done. And that was echoed in my schooling. My schooling was the type of school that said, if you got A's, you were everything. And if you got a B, you were nothing and forget about a C, forget about a D, forget about whatever. Now, there are some values that are great. What did it do? It made me work hard. It instilled in me a good sense of a of work ethic. But if I don't have any awareness of that, then I have no boundaries for that. That's where my boundaryless ambition in one sense has given me the drive to continue to move past each iteration of myself and whatever. But the the boundary less aspect of that has burned me out, worked me into the ground, has projected that same sense of, you know, 90 miles per hour, seven days a week onto others. It's ruined a marriage. It's ruined friendship. And I ascribed failure to the parent that was addicted to anesthetizing and not feeling because the feelings were so overwhelming and so upsetting that there wasn't a clear path through empathetically. Now I can look back on that and be like, damn, that must've been so hard. But Mm -hmm. instead what I did was completely repress it. And I found an outlet, but it required a costume. I felt like I belonged when I had a certain degree of external success, but it was a bottomless pit because inside I didn't feel like enough. And so in some ways I hear you saying that can be a positive in that it provides drive and motivation and, and work ethic. But when we aren't honing in the boundaries around it, and also when we're not looking at, okay, how do I fill myself up on the inside? How do I yeah. know that I'm going to be okay if everything around me is falling apart? How do I know yeah. that I'm enough? Then we're continuously striving for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. This is it. When we're not aware of a thought, of a feeling, of a belief, of a challenge, then it is in the driver's seat. Whether I have you know, I believe that I'm a victim. I believe that I'm ambitious. I believe that I'm a perfectionist. I believe that I 
am not wanted. I believe that I'm broken. I believe whatever it is. If I don't know that I believe that, now I'm broken is driving or I'm not beautiful is driving. And then, well, what's that going to look like in the job interview? Well, how is that going to show up on your first date? How is that going to show up when you have a kid? the more awareness we can bring to it, it may not shift immediately, but it does begin to shift. And we, rather than reacting to the belief and just operating from that position of patterning, we're able to move into a space of more choice. So um, that can be really empowering in and of itself. When we become aware of something, especially if it's new, the next thing that's immediately going to come up is judgment around it. The reason why that happens is because we're trying to make sense of it. But where does that making sense come from? It comes from everything we have seen. So it's coming from the same thing that the thing that we're becoming aware of was built from. So if we apply judgment to what it is we're becoming aware of, we're just doing the same thing mm. over and over again. If we can, and this is the, this is, you know, we're going to the Buddhist territory here, but yeah, also love it. territory, which is if you become aware and you notice the judgment around your awareness, the skill set becomes dropping the judgment. Mm. So non-judgmental awareness rather than placing value on the reaction or the judgment and saying it's good, it's bad, it's right, it's wrong. It's just simply, I'm aware of it. Sitting with it long enough for it to move through the heart, Mm. which is hard because then we have to feel it. And sometimes feelings are really uncomfortable. Yeah. But that was one of the most profound things that has helped me in my healing journey was understanding that I have the capacity. And so does everyone listening right now to feel really big feelings and that they won't kill me and that those feelings are impermanent, that they will move through me if I allow them to. I might feel my whole body become numb. I might start to cry. I might start to feel shaky. I might feel hot. I might feel cold. And then it passes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It never lasts. In the same way that we don't start laughing and continuously laugh for the rest of our life, we won't feel pain for the rest of our life. And so it's starting to be able to trust yourself to hold these feelings. I want to take everything that you just said, and I want to apply it to a real life scenario. And since we love talking about body image and our self-doubt, like the thoughts that you have about yourself, when you notice a thought bubble up, like you walk past the mirror and you're like, I'm too rolly. I'm too poly. I'm too skinny right now. I'm too, I could be this. I could be that. So we have this thought that bubbles up. And then you mentioned that commonly what we do is we, if we have any awareness around it, we will judge the thought. Oh, I shouldn't be thinking about that. I'm supposed to be practicing more self-love right now. Or why do I have that thought? Or this thought is true. This thought is real. I need to get to the gym. I need to work out harder. I should go on the diet Monday. So what you're suggesting, if I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the thought bubbles up, we notice, and we just practice just noticing it. It's not good. 
It's not bad. It's neither here nor there. And emotion may come up after that thought. And then what's your strategy? Like, how do you allow yourself to feel versus shoving it back down? If this is new to somebody. Dialogue. So in the beginning, when I was just learning about this through a couple of forms of therapy, Jungian therapy, and also Gottman therapy is that when you hear the thought and the thought is you're ugly, let's just call it you're ugly, right? In the beginning, it can be very useful to bring in the voice of somebody that is the most loving person, you know, maybe it's your best friend, maybe it's your grandmother, because sometimes that voice isn't yet developed in us. Mm. So we bring in the voice of somebody that we place our heart into their hands because we know they won't trample on it. Right. So, so for me, that would be my best friend. And, and what would my best friend say if I say I'm ugly? Well, my best friend, she can advocate for me better than I can in this moment. So my best friend might say, girl, you know, that is not true. And then the other voice would say, yes, it is. (laughs) And then my girlfriend might say, look at those beautiful curves. Look at the way that da, 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 da. Over time, that dialogue can transform from not the imagination of the person in your life, but actually to the connection to your higher self or your, you know, a higher consciousness. And that takes time with practice, getting still and getting quiet. Yeah. Sounds a lot like self-compassion. And a couple episodes ago, I had Dr. Kristen Neff join me on the show and she is, has sort of brought the research around self-compassion to the modern day world. And so if you're listening to the podcast consistently, it keeps coming back to this practice of speaking kindly to yourself, of finding loving words, and especially in the moments when that feels the hardest. That is what the class is. Put yourself in a hard moment. Let's make a Petri dish out of our workout and say, this is a hard moment. You're in plank for two minutes. Now, work within the hard moment and strengthen the muscle, not just of your abdominals, (laughs) because that is happening too, but (laughs) strengthen the muscle of awareness, expression, interruption, and self-compassion. That is why I love this class so much and the work that you that you ladies are doing. It is so important to put ourselves in challenging positions, to push ourselves out of the comfort zone in life. However, if you've experienced trauma or if you're on a healing path, having that coach or that guide or that therapist or that class where you feel safe enough to start practicing putting yourself outside of the comfort zone can be really, really helpful. There's reason that we like to stay in the comfort zone and that's because it's safe and it's familiar and there's nothing wrong with that. However, sometimes the comfort zone can also be harming us. I, the beliefs that we have uh, are no longer serving us. I had an anxiety training session the other day and we we talked about how as human beings, it is one of our greatest needs physically, cognitively, emotionally to belong to others, to belong to others. And 
sometimes we'll fall into patterns or habits. Like every Thursday we go get ice cream together or every night we sit and have family dinner and we watch TV or we're not a family that really moves our body. That's just not what we do in our body. Moving out of that comfort zone can feel very hard and scary and painful because it requires us to detach for a moment from a sense of belonging that we've clung to. So to really step into ourselves, to take action that serves us as an individual, it requires a lot of courage. It requires us to be okay with not being liked by everyone, to ruffle some feathers along the way. When we think about how complicated change actually is, hopefully it just allows you to feel a bit more understanding for yourself and to bring a more awareness to the process. It's actually physiological that we are wired to lean on familiarity. We don't want our brain activity to have to go up. We want to be surviving at a low energy rate, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a part of the brain called the basal ganglia and its sole responsibility is to identify pattern and to send it down whichever synaptic pathway um, makes the most sense. So if you receive sensation or energy or information to the basal ganglia and it's able to say, oh, I recognize it, And then it sends it down synaptic pathways that allow the brain activity to lower. And it's like, oh, this is chosen for me because my brain doesn't have to work as hard. So I am able to survive without having to produce as much energy. I offer this lecture. I offer this talk in a four-day event that we give. It's called the immersion. And the immersion is all about discovering our programming and discovering the skills needed to take what's working interrupt what's not and then form and shape who it is we want to become or who we know we are becoming. The basal ganglia isn't asking, is this of service to my highest self? No, it is freaking surviving out there in incredibly fast neural patterning. Yeah. There's no, no, it's it's asking one question. And that one question is, is it familiar? So we have to step in. Higher consciousness has to step in to be able to say, hold on, all we're doing is creating a new pattern. The the more you do it, the more you repeat it. And this goes for whether you're building your bicep muscle or whether you're building a pattern. We say this all the time at the class, what you repeat, you strengthen. So you just mentioned the immersion and that you go for four days and you start to bring some awareness to the patterns that you're living in and look at where do you want to be. And then that you talk about some tools or practices that can support you in almost like overriding the system that is already there internally. So without, I guess, giving away everything that you talk about in the immersion, but I love people to leave this show with a few things that they can practice. What would you say are your top tips for starting to bring awareness to our patterning, our thoughts, our beliefs, we've talked about self-compassion already, that allow us to move towards the person that we want to be. Yeah. When you hear a thought in your mind, the first tip would be, if you're hearing it, then you're not it. And already what that does is it disidentifies us from the thought. So if I don't know that I'm saying I'm ugly, then I am ugly because I believe that thought. I am that thought. If I hear myself say I'm ugly, 
then, well, who's listening and who's talking? So then now I can be more objective about it. The second tip would be, is that a thought I want to keep around? That's when you make a decision about your attention. Mm. Do you want to fan the flames of that thought by giving it your attention and repeating it? Or do you want to interrupt that thought and remove your attention from it? What we work through in the immersion, but also in the class is to sit with the thought long enough to distill the information from it. What about it is true? What about it is not true? So it's not toxic positivity. It's not like ignoring the thought. It is garnering as much information from the thought and why it's there in the first place Mm -hmm. as possible and then making a healthy choice about it. What I love about this work is that even if you're in the busiest season of your life right now, we can all find little moments of pause, little moments of awareness and mindfulness. You don't have to set aside two hours to do this 17 step morning routine. It's really about becoming more conscious as you move through the day, bringing more awareness to your thoughts, bringing more awareness to the dialogue you have around those thoughts. One of the great ways of, of if you really, if you're really plagued by certain thoughts, right. And, and placing your attention and, you know, that's really hard. Sometimes journaling is a very useful tool because what it does is the act of writing it down separates it and creates distance between you and it. So if it's one thing to hear it, right. It's another thing to write it down and see it. And that's another form of creating space. And it can be really hard if the story with the narration of like, you need to believe this in order to belong in a certain way has been deeply practiced. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, like, I have to name it, right? Because we're we're two women in white bodies where we have a different experience in it too, because we, although, you know, this country didn't include, you know, women's suffrage for a very long time, this country has had a very specific and very narrow definition of who belongs. Yeah. And who belongs is doing everything that they can to maintain the power that comes from belonging. And then for those of us in varying degrees, depending on what body you, your spirit is inhabiting in this lifetime, there's going to be a different degrees of difficulty for not just finding belonging in yourself when the cultural narrative has been strong against you, but then finding belonging in this nation yeah that you know traditions are crumbling and there are so many things that are starting to change in this particular moment because i think we are in a moment where enough of us are tired of not belonging to the narrow definition and more of us are starting to say who i am is exactly who i am and we will come together and we will support each other and we will love each other And the only way is to love everyone. I don't mean that as a platitude. I love myself enough to love you. Mm. And I love myself enough to love you with loving boundaries. Loving myself and loving you doesn't mean I roll over and let you do whatever. Loving me allows me to love you in a way that's still healthy. Oh, I love it. And all of this is just, it's so layered. It's so nuanced and it is 
a lifetime and beyond of self-work and dedication, but it is so freeing. Like the more that you lean into it and explore it in whatever way feels right for you, whether that's taking the class or trying a little bit of meditation or doing a little bit of breath work or moving your body. I think something that's really stuck with me in my own healing journey over the last couple of years, and then working with so many people and so many women in particular is that when we have these thought patterns that are spinning and cycling, that it is really hard to think ourselves out of them. We have to get into the body. We have to move. And that's what, again, this isn't a promotional ad for the class, but I just do really love it. <laughs> it's getting you into your body, whether that's going for a walk or um, stretching to release, whatever it is, there's these practices that we can do to support our physical body, which also supports our mental health, the thoughts that we're thinking and our ability to do this deeper cognitive, emotional work as well. In order for the mind, going back to the brain, in order for the brain to register it as important, the body has to feel it. That's change. We can't think our way through it because in order for it to be registered as important, the body has to feel it. And that's, you know, the class, we often call it a, a moving meditation, but also this week, actually, it's a big week. We're launching yoga and meditation onto the class platform because <laughs> while the class is a moving meditation, we are moving in order to get to stillness. Wow. And so we wanted to offer also the ability to, you know, do these practices in different athleticisms. Uh, you know, yoga is a lot older than us by multiple thousands of years, but it is doing the same thing. Yoga in a different form and different athleticism is finding pathways for energy, which is just the catch-all phrase for thought and feeling to move through any forms of blockage or resistance in a, you know, more of a flow. I mean, we're doing the asana practice, so more of a flow. Yeah. And then um, meditation is that same sense of awareness using stillness. So for us, having all three under the class platform gives the student a very holistic way to live a mindful life. I'm so excited for this next chapter and for everything that you're bringing out into the world. I know you're pouring your heart and soul into it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you again and again for this important work and for keeping your heart open and for sharing your thoughts with us today on the show. I cannot wait to get in to one of the studios. You just opened a studio in LA as well. We just <laughs> opened LA. I mean, Erin, when you came to my class, that must have been six years ago. It was. It was. It was so before I had kids. Okay. So we have been in sister studios, you know, keeping that overhead low for a long time. Yes. <laughs> but finally, six years later, I'm so proud. We're, we're on Main Street, just half a block from Earth Cafe in LA. Um, and we're in downtown Manhattan. And these are our two studios where we uh, live stream and have a you know ton of on-demand classes on our digital platform. And it would just be an honor to have you and your listeners on the mat with us as much as possible. I cannot wait. Where can people find more of you? You're over on Instagram and then obviously at the class. Yeah, the class's website is very simple, theclass.com. The class on Instagram is at the class. And then I am on Instagram, I'm at this is Natalie. 
And one of my side projects, I think, is something you will appreciate. It's uh, I do art mirrors called Make the Sun, and it's about practicing a kinder sight in the mirror. So that's something beautiful to look for. But yeah, L.A. on Main Street, New York and downtown, yoga meditation coming through. And then some of the best ways to do this deep work of transformation in succinct formats are retreatments and our immersion programs. Can't wait. I really can't thank you enough, Erin, for giving me the space to share. Mm. I will make sure that I link to all of the places that Natalie just mentioned down below in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to screenshot it and tag. This is Natalie and Raw Beauty Talks. We didn't talk about this, Erin, but how about for all of your listeners, we do a 30-day free trial of the digital studio. I'll send you the promo. Let's call it the class.com backslash Raw Beauty Talks. I mean, okay, let's do it. Now now everybody who's listening has no excuse. You've got to go try this. Give it a shot. You're going to love it. Thank you. That's amazing. Awesome. All right, everyone. Have a beautiful week and I will see you next week. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.